I'm Marisol. And I'm Adam. And you are listening to the, the Reading, Reading Aloud, Aloud podcast. podcast. A podcast where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication is explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. In season two, we bring you along on our tour to keep the conversation going. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> and we're live. Oh, we've been live for 15 seconds. <laughs> That's always my favorite. Boy. <laughs> All right. That's always my favorite. And we're just getting on the, getting on the everything. How's everybody doing? If anybody's joined yet. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Somebody's watching. Maybe it's us. <laughs> no, we do you have questions for me tonight? I do. I do. We're just waiting a minute for folks to join. Lots of people are joining. How many? We've got like... Thousands? We've got... Um, in the hundreds of thousands? In the hundreds of thousands of viewers right now. It's pretty amazing. Awesome. And, you know... Yeah. Look at that. Look at those people joining. <laughs> hey! Yeah. So so what are your what okay, are questions? Okay. So, you know, the famous people take their time. Right. And I know that we don't have the luxury. Yeah, we already lost somebody. I don't know that we have the luxury of taking our time like that because people lose interest. But we're also practicing having a famous podcast. We do have a famous podcast. Well, we do have a famous podcast. But we're practicing being famous. Yeah. In the podcast. Hey, y'all. I know. So excited for everybody that's joining. All right. So you seem to want me to jump in. Yeah, what's up? Mm-hmm. So first, I want to talk about his honey badgers. Uh huh. So honey badgers don't give up. Honey badgers don't give a cuss, and part of that, most people watching probably know about the honey badgers. So there's a great, so David Attenborough does right. It's I don't a, think it's David Attenborough, but. You don't think it's him who narrates uh, it? I think that's the whole funny thing is that it's just some guy narrating. Got it. David Attenborough's way too classy to have done that. Except for he did the Adele yes, thing. Yes, he narrated Adele's thing, but that's classy. That's classy. Yo, I have way too much bang. I gotta, I gotta, I had to go to the eye doctor, which I hate going anywhere other than my front yard during COVID, and I had to go to the eye doctor mm-hmm. today, and... She's like, oh my god, your hair looks so good. I mean, we always talk about style. Um, and I was like, oh gosh, thank you. Yeah. It's nice to get a compliment when you're running on hair fumes. Because that's what's important right now. Kind of bombing this one. Okay, so, I mean, seriously. Okay, so we talk about honey badgers because we just came back from the beach. Um, it was awesome. It felt very safe. We were not mm-hmm. with any, like, you know, we weren't, like, around anybody. But we saw a bunch of honey badgers. Can you explain to the audience what you mean by that? Because Well, most of the yeah. people, I'm assuming, have seen the honey badger video. If not, just, like, Google honey, honey badgers. Badger. Yeah, the just honey Google badger. Just Google honey badger. And you'll see the video about, like, how brave these honey badgers are and how they don't give a cuss. And... Nobody in South Carolina gave a cuss. We saw about that, COVID. Yeah, we saw that two masks total, and like again, we weren't wearing them on the beach, but like in the gas station, everywhere we looked, people were just in and out without 
any kind of mask and <sighs> yeah I mean it was pretty incredible like they didn't you know it was it was they were very different each, from the yeah, reality yeah, that we had been were, living in yeah, yeah and they were like crossing paths and yeah. touching each other's dogs and then and, getting yeah. close and then there were like groups of like 20 it's yeah. a lot yeah a lot of Trump signs you know there's a lot going on yeah. Bunch of honey badgers. Bunch of honey badgers. <laughs> All right. Um, next things next is on the way home, we, you know, Google knows what to feed me, and it feeds me Bachelor news. And, uh -huh. you know, if you all don't know yet, we are huge Bachelor fans. We are part of Bachelor Nation, yes. yes 100%. Mm -hmm. We are the nation. Part of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then we, um, one of the Bachelor news things was, um, if you watch, a couple seasons ago, this woman named Becca was the Bachelorette. She got horribly dumped by Ari when Ari chose her because she was awesome, and but he chose her because he felt pressured to. He broke up with her. They filmed the whole thing live. He picked Lauren. It actually turns out that he's a dope. Lauren's all right, and they made a great family. Um, they have children now. Um, times two, mm -hmm. and they're pregnant. So yeah. awesome, yeah. And then Becca ends up as the bachelorette and picks not the person you'd want her to pick of the two. We were all floored. The whole world was floored, and especially because as outsiders, we were privy to information that she was not privy to, which is that he really liked. Um, he was like big time friends with and a, a liker of a bunch of white supremacist posts, like bad stuff, like really 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 overt stuff um which and of course that came out on social media it came out on social media early on so i was like never a fan of this dude yeah and she picks him like after the whole season he's the one and then all of a sudden like adam and i are talking through it and we're like okay she, he reminds her of, her of her dad who had passed away there was like some familiarity and all this kind of uh, some sweetness and they addressed during after the final rose, they addressed that Becca was like, this, when I found out about this, when the show was over, it was not okay. We had a lot of discussion about mm -hmm. it. I do not condone this. And then he made a public statement about it and they talked through it. And I was like, you know what? I certainly don't agree with him, but I appreciate that A, they, they addressed it and B, that they're just going to work through stuff. I mean, not everything yeah. we've done is good. You don't have to have the same political views as your partner to get married yeah right. um i mean you need to have the same ethical well i think you need to have similar ethics and values about life I, really I, I don't think it's a thing that's really yeah helps. yeah um but you know you, you, anyway so right. it's good that they were going to work it out so but she was like you know i think at that time wasn't she like a hillary supporter or had campaigned doesn't matter does yeah campaign yeah i mean like she had yeah it was during the hillary time and so that was a pretty you know i mean it, it really kind of boiled down to their ethics and values mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. well she does a podcast called happy hour with rachel Lindsay, who is the was the first black Bachelorette. Bachelorette, but also like the first black person to make it anywhere to the end of any season mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And she made it pretty close to the end of the season she was on that she wasn't picked on, and then she's the first black um, bachelor or bachelorette. Yep. And so Bachelor Nation is doing a lot right now to kind of diversify, and it's very reactive. It doesn't feel very genuine. 
Um, they've already just like picked this guy to be the next bachelor. He's black. And so anyways, of course, them, like every, I know you're getting tired of hearing me. No, okay. no, it's a good story. Okay. Go for it. That, you know, this whole bachelor nation, they, they have so much influence over, I, I'm, I'm assuming United States and maybe beyond, but they have so much influence over folks. And Popular so, culture. Thank you. They are talking about current events. And so there's one woman, uh, her name's Becca Martinez. She was like five when she joined the show. She didn't make it because Ari was 55 when he was on the show and he didn't pick her. And she's kind of since gone like off the grid a little, but not really. Anyways, she's kind of since like become like this figure for somebody who's not very much like the Bachelor Nation or the Bachelor contestants. Uh-huh. Like throwing her armpit hair out. She's now got two babies with her boyfriend. It's all like all this stuff. She made some she statements. Hit the mold. She thank you. She yeah. made some please continue to simplify what I'm saying because it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. She made some statements. I'm just I'm I'm playing your I'm playing your hype storyteller right here. Excellent. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, helping helping folks stay stay up. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all right. Yeah, we're great. Okay. Great. I'm having a great time. Okay. Cool. 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 So, Becca, let, let go of that. Let go of that. Just I am feeling Let go of that. Yeah. I'm let go of that self consciousness. Okay. Okay. Just tell your story. So, this is who we are. Becca, this is our podcast. We can talk whatever the heck <laughs> we want to talk about. That's totally true. Yeah. So Becca says some stuff about the abolition of the police and there's a lot of conversation about reform versus abolition and how reform is still very whitewashed in the sense that it's looking to try to take a system that is inherently broken and you know kind of like lightly make it better yeah lightly Mm -hmm. or majorly depending on your stance but kind of fix it right Mm -hmm. like let's just fix it Right. Well, if you listen to folks who are oppressed by the police system, what you'll hear is, it's like, you really got to do away with it. Mm-hmm. And you got to do away with it because it's inherently broken and mm-hmm. you can't actually fix it because it's just the basis of it is so broken. And that's, right. that, that kind of foundational understanding is so true for so many things. It's like, if the foundation of your house is cracked to smithereens, it really doesn't do a lot for very long to, to try the to- trim on your doors. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You really kind of just need to go to the foundation and muck it up and start fresh. And so what, um, you know, so people are speaking out about that. Lots of people. This is you not- know, that, that just occurred to me like, um, and we'll get back to the bachelor story, but um, you know we talk a lot about about relationships on this podcast, and um, I have talked a lot about throughout the course of the time that you know the foundation of the relationship is so utterly important, and and not necessarily the foundation like your first experiences within the first like three months of knowing each other. It's actually like what you have built the relationship on and what value systems, um, what, what you know, measurements of growth, like what are you at your root of your relationship really connected to each other um, at that level? And I, I think that's an interesting thing to explore because, um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just a way in which um, you know, the foundation, and I think a lot of, you know, potentially, and I'm guessing here, fully vulnerable, just guessing, but I think a lot of relationships that don't work for at least a longer period of time don't have any sort of strong foundation. Like, they're based in something that is somewhat weak, 
or shaky, like lust, or like, um, you know, we're, we're together because we just, we're, you know, great dancers together, you know, and like, it's great to be a good dancer with each other, but like, is that a foundational element of a relationship? And, um, no yeah, shot you know, at dancing, but you, you know what no, I mean? No, I'm like, hearing what yeah. you're saying. It's like, what makes a foundation? And that's yeah. going to be different for everybody, but it is, it but is. But if it's shaky and built on muck, if it's built on shaky ground, um, it's going to be really hard because you can only put so many coats of fresh well, paint on it. And you're going to just have to rebuild it, period. Like, right. in order for it to sustain, you're going to have to rebuild it. And a lot of people do. They get together for whatever reason, but then they they build, like, whether you're building the foundation to start with or later on, doesn't matter. Yeah. But the foundation has to be built. Right. So that's interesting. So, so you know, Becca Martinez says, you know, cuss the police this is what needs to happen, and Duder retorts, so, sorry, then the other Becca, who was the bachelorette, her fiancé, which, again, was the one we didn't want, who had, who had supported this white supremacist way I crazy. I love the fact that we're talking about white supremacy, um, the policing system, through the lens of the bachelor. Well, this is what so, makes all of I mean, this is the most reading aloud conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes it pretty palatable, because yeah. we're, all, we're all, like, hearing a lot and inundated, yeah. so I think talking about the bachelor makes it really yeah. amazing. So his name's Garrett. So Garrett says, in other words, Becca, you are no longer invited. You can no longer come over. Yeah. That's what he says. You can no longer come over. To which everybody's like, whatever, there's COVID, nobody's coming over anyways. But basically, she's been banned from his life. But Becca and Becca, his fiance Becca, they're really close, and it's just not going to work. So anyways, now Becca, his fiance, <laughs> is saying, it's unfortunate they have the same name, is saying that, <laughs> just they, keep, keep going, yeah. that she is really disturbed by some of his comments, which I'll share a few more, and uh-huh. their relationship is on the rocks. Uh-huh. Okay, so... All that, the framework. But during yeah. her, so he posted a real, like... So basically, he said some, uh, he exiled another member of the, like, Bachelor community out because they made some comments that he disagreed with about the I mean, what and she, the comments that he made. Um, uh, his original comments were... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess this is, like, kind of a trend, the thin blue line, but his original comment is... I have a lot of police officers in my life, so I'd be remiss not to support these people who are humans. At the end right. of the day, they're humans with good intentions, and they're the ones that are that have been employed to support us, and I just want to continue to support yeah. them. In all of that, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the whole point of this movement is right. um, and how jumping to the defense of the police officers is really missing the point because, of course, they're humans, and of course... Of course, there are some lovely people that work for the police department, of course. In fact, I know so many as well. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. It's about the dismantling of the structure. And both right. whether you're in it or out of it, like understanding what the structure has meant, like how it was designed, what it means, and what it's meaning for people. Right. You know, I had a thought about this today about um, like understanding how a structure is flawed. Um, I think all of us have probably had an instance where we are, you know, calling a company or at a thing, I'm at an auto dealership or something like that, and um, 
their their whole system of doing things sucks. You know, it just it's terrible. It's terrible. And and at the same and you're upset at that. You're like, you need to rework this because it doesn't work for anybody. And yet at the same time, you're like, you know that the person you're talking to or the person on the other end of the phone, you know, they might be a good customer service agent or they might be a bad customer service agent. But when we try to deal with the health insurance company, it's like that whole thing is screwed up. Then and sometimes we get a bad customer service, but it doesn't matter whether that customer service agent is good or bad. That's not the point. The point is the whole system that we're trying to interact with to file a claim or to do this is screwed up. And so you need to actually rework that system to make it a difference. It isn't about the individuals on the other end of the phone. And in this instance, whether it's they're not doing their job correctly it, or not, it's about starting over. From exactly. Scratch. So that was just a thing, like a experience of like other examples, so that people can stop freaking out because everybody's freaking out because they want security, and security is so inherently valuable to us. And so when people need security, and the police, they've been told their whole life is security, then um, certain people have been told it's security, others have been reminded that it's not very secure for them. But if you are somebody who's been told it is the security, then you can't even hear this because it's so scary to think about not having security. So when you're talking about health insurance or the cell phone company or something that everybody can pretty much agree with is bunk and always going to bother you, right. then everybody's like, oh, that's an interesting comparison. Right, yeah, right. That's an interesting comparison. Well, it's just, you know, I often use when talking about, like, you know, understanding political conversations or policy, um, you know, I, one thing that frustrates me is people that try to, like, define a political party or a whole ideology based on, like, a meme. Um, or like things that they read off the internet and it's like if you think about like an auto mechanic or like trusting doctors in terms of the pandemic you know like I wouldn't I wouldn't just trust like I trust a person who is trained in that field to provide an expert opinion um, rather than uh, rather than like just Joe off the street who kind of diagnoses it now I think as I say that, I recognize that there's some inherent difficulties with that because especially when somebody is trained in a certain way to view things a certain way, and so we need to break those molds. But I think generally speaking, it's like, you know, you you, you, you listen to people who are experts in a certain Absolutely. area. Um, and, I you know, w- right now we get a lot of opinions of people who don't actually know anything about, like, you know, anything. democracy. Yeah, yeah democracy. Yeah. So we've got Becca and Becca and Garrett, all right? Yeah. And so... I, if, if anybody is still actually following. Yeah, yeah. of course they are. Yeah. Of they are. And so, you know, Garrett basically does the thin blue line thing right. and wants to just, like, really lift up his, his family and friends who are in who are police officers. And so Becca, the, the other woman, not his fiance, says, you know, it's not so much about intent as it is about impact. Mm-hmm. So the intention of somebody can be great, but if they hurt, then if the impact is negative, then that's what matters. And I think that that's so, 
so important um, as somebody who, as a woman, like this is my only experience because I'm white, you know, white, at least white passing um, and have had very little discrimination about the fact that I'm biracial. But, you know, as somebody, my biggest experience with any kind of oppression is in being a woman. And, you know, there's so many microaggressions towards women and so many subversive forms of oppression that are just built into our structures and systems that, you know, so many people, including you, don't do it with malintent. It's just the impact. So when I say to you, ouch, that really hurts, um, you know, I can imagine that you want to say, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point, right? Like, oh, you've been hurt primary freaking thing to pay attention you have been hurt right not freaking what you meant to say or do we can get to that later because it is also nice to know that you weren't trying to be mean but like that's not the point y'all it's that there was hurt let's tend to the bleeding wound before we get to the defensiveness right and that's the, so she says, it's not about intent, it's about impact. That's a pretty simple thing to say in response to that when a lot could have been said. Yeah. And so, Rachel Lindsay, the first black, first and only black bachelor bachelorette, and Becca Kufrin, Garrett's fiance, have a podcast together called Bachelor Happy Hour or something like that. And they start to talk about it, and they both like are agreeing that they come from different places and they have different understanding. But Rachel Lindsay says the hardest thing about that whole podcast was not that we had difference of opinion. That was actually pretty cool. It was that Becca kept saying he didn't mean, he didn't mean anything by it. He didn't mean anything by it, you know, defending that stance. And so it doesn't really Mm -hmm. get you anywhere. So I say to you in the car and I say, I've got a question for you that I've been holding until now. Okay. Okay? I'm ready for it. Which is, and let me see if I can kind of remember it, which is, so, you know, as a white man in the patriarchal society that we come from, that we exist in now, Mm -hmm. it is my understanding that you are taught to know everything, that you are, that it's assumed that you know a lot. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to know what direction we're driving in at all times, like mm-hmm. where we're going and how to get there. Yes. You're supposed to be taking care of me and perceptive to any threat to danger. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be understanding a lot about life and answer all my questions. You're supposed to take care of me emotionally and mm-hmm. under know exactly what to say when I'm in emotional need or distress. And it's just like, you know, the pressures on you are so great. To have it all figured out. That of course, white men are out there going, well, yeah, let me tell you about right. it. And this whole concept of mansplaining and also just this need to speak up and have it right. And I'm like, at what point are you, like, how to get the message across that it's A-okay to not know everything. And you can let down and listen more than you speak. Mm-hmm. And B, what do you, like, what do you think it's going to take to be vulnerable enough to be like, whoa, I don't really know anything about this topic. Mm-hmm. Not you specific, of course, but like you, <laughs> the collective so, so white what, man. You. So, so what is what is? Repeat the specific question for me, because there's a lot there. So you say, what like, is it going to take? take for you and the collective white male experience to not feel like they need to jump in with their opinions? You know, you hear so many. I'll explain. You hear so many people saying, 
I'm just listening right now. I'm listening, I'm learning, mm -hmm. I'm reading, I'm researching. And then you still hear a bunch of white men going, well, let, let me tell you about this thin blue right. line. Or let me tell you about... Let me tell you how it is. Let yeah. me just explain to you. Not, you know, everybody matters. It's not just the black lives. Yeah. Let me explain to you. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and that's been... I think what the question is, is like, that's been... That has been fed to you that you should know everything. Like yeah. you literally are massacred when you don't know. That's not a good example, but like you're you're torn down emotionally and physically when you don't know yeah. where you're where you're going, what you're doing, right. how to do it. Thank right. you for listening. Yeah. Well, thank you for that question. I think um, you know I would before I kind of get into what I think is your central question, which is you know what, how does that begin to shift? Um, because there's a lot of answers to that, and probably a lot of valid answers to that. But um, you know, I, I think from from what you are pointing out, which is something I don't know if we've talked in a podcast, which I appreciate that you're pointing out in the way that it's not often talked about in terms of um, how the patriarchal systems, victims of of patriarchal systems are most definitely, you know, women, communities of color, and especially women of color, and we could go down kind of the list of, right, of the, that. The ones that are oppressed. Right? The ones that are oppressed, and victims of patriarchy are men. Also, why white people are victims of white supremacy, because it doesn't help anyone. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's a, that's a, that's actually part of being able to heal that. You know, Not it doesn't help anyone, it hurts everyone. Mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. um, you know, are being able to heal that um, and being able to educate particularly men on the ways that patriarchal structures, that they are, you know, we are also trained to believe that we are benefiting from that, you know. Um, and, and you are benefiting monetarily and in some ways, but you're right. I mean, this is the nuance of it, is it really is hurting everyone. It very much is. And, you know, we're, like, I think that that's a, that's a big part of it. And that's a, that's a key understanding um, that our lives are oppressed because of the way that the patriarchy is impacting us. So how does it change? I mean... Uh, you know, I think, and, and how, do, how do men become more vulnerable, which is also kind of what you asked. I, I, think, I think part of it is, you know, that's a big shift to turn around. And one of the things that kind of comes into my mind is, this is why it's so, so very crucial that we have particularly women and especially women of color um, black women, brown women, who are in positions of power. And we begin to rewrite a narrative around ability, decision-making ability, because the one that is dominant in our culture right now is that the best decision-makers, you know, we're taught this in history, and we're taught this in um, multimedia, and, you know, we're taught this have been and will be men. You we know, were we just talking with some friends the other day about the fact that, like, put a woman in, like, the presidency as it currently is, and they're just going to act like the president? 
I mean, I think we have to kind of wait and see on that one. I, I agree, and then you're getting back to the conversation around structure there. Around like reformation it, versus yeah, right. And, you know, uh, you know, maybe to a certain degree, but I also think that there's, you know, we also have women leaders around the world who have handled the, the coronavirus pandemic um, much, much more effectively than their male counterparts. Mm -hmm. And I think that those type of things... You know, I still think there are only, um, I think out of the top 500, Fortune 500 companies, there's only maybe less than five are women CEOs, less than that. I think we know one of them. And, um, potentially. And, um, you know, it's it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big question, right? It's a big question. And I do not hide my feelings around my calling and desire to smash the patriarchy and, and understanding my role as a white man in doing so. When we talk about, well, what is the solution? One thing that I'll point out is like, you know, I just gave, you know, some rambly thoughts on what is the solution. But one thing that I firmly believe when we were having this conversation is that the path towards change requires a full spectrum of different types of action. You know, it requires men, you know, showing up in their homes or, or like daily lives. And it also requires massive like policy change, whatever that may be. I mean, it requires this whole spectrum of, of, of actions. And each action is important in its own right. But what is the whole critical piece to, to shifting an entire system like a, or a structure like patriarchy is that each one of those actions and the people that are doing those are standing and working in solidarity with the other people doing actions. And what I mean by that is that like the people who are, we'll take a, like um, the people who are Let's take an environmental example because, like, environmental action is a lot of people are familiar with that. The, the 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 person who is just planting their own garden in their backyard as a form of action to support the environment, and then the person who's chaining themselves to a tree or you know like standing on a front line to stop a pipeline or doing some direct action. Or piece. to you that's in other countries doing policy work. Or, to, or to the, the person trying to do policy work. Like each one of those people are in solidarity and supporting the other, the, that other action. Because often what inhibits change is people doing different types. As long as the vision is the same, as long as we're agreeing that this is the world that we're working towards, one where we don't have this, let's say, patriarchal overlord kind of like patriarchal structure. Whatever action that you're taking is beautiful. And the most, one of the most important actions that you can take is supporting other people taking action, whatever form that may be. Not trying to convince them to do this or this or this. Now, if they need suggestions, certainly provide that. But if they feel like they're taking an action, I firmly believe this, that, that you must stand in solidarity with them. And by standing in solidarity, by receiving support, if I'm just doing the littlest thing, if I start getting positively affirmed for doing that by people within the movement, it makes me want to take a step further. It makes me want to up my level of action.
right? We need to reward action instead of say, instead of you shame to say you need to be doing more. Now, that's really tricky because in certain ways we do need to like like, when there's pressure urgent, people yeah. when around there's urgency, urgency and or when people aren't aren't making that for it. Like they are, they're kind of content to just do the bare minimum and they aren't actually having that. Right. internal kind of desire to grow and i and i recognize that and no, no, appreciate no, but I, that no but yeah. no no but you're i mean you're mostly right i mean that's the truth that's more important the positive re reinforcement is much more important than than yeah. uh you know there are going to be instances where some pressure is needed but let me just ask you yeah and i'm not trying to dumb this down because i very much appreciated everything that you said i felt very touched by it and that's why i held your hand i'm just like i'm very touched by it um, should Becca and Garrett break up? Like, should Becca end the relationship? You know, without really knowing them. This is these yeah. are the bachelor people I mean, we're talking about here. I, 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 I just, I just don't think. You know, I think the whole time she was much more evolved. That's what we all saw. She felt connected to him because he felt like home. And at the end of the day, like. If Hillary versus Trump is a big freaking difference, we've got some very serious Republicans in our lives who could not get down with Trump and who did not like Hillary but chose her for because of their values. You know, I mean, that's a big divide there. Yeah, I mean, it's not political at that point. It's like it is about the all the movements. Yeah. And then if anybody I mean, has anything to I, add, I, we'd love to I, hear. I personally, I personally think that I personally think that she should leave him. But you know, what's what's coming up for me right now is I was proud of them for working out that. Love first. is a powerful thing too. Mm -hmm. And I felt that. And and, 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 and I don't want to say that in the sense of like their first like, snafu, you know. Yeah, and I don't want to say that in terms of like, you know, there is. Um, like, like love, love conquers all, or, like, and or like, abuse, or anything. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, um, but it's you know if they're truly in love, like it's it's interesting. But like I don't think that I don't think that she's gonna, you know, there are certain, and this gets back to our original conversation around like the foundation and values, right? Like, and if his values are this, like it feels like they're just existing within a relationship in order to that is fun and that is attractive and that you know but like that. one comment no, that here, we constantly is, say no, on this no, no. go ahead what what's go one ahead. comment yeah. oh come on well i'm just saying like if you're not growing spiritually with the person yeah. then what what the hell, heck are you doing yeah. and and you know i i just don't see them reaching that but level Right, and I think spiritually is different for everybody, and I think they do grow spirit. The thing is, is, that's the thing, is that, like, this is the most interesting divide because I'm watching really close friends struggle right now. Really close friends. Like, like, or even, for example, like, there's Bachelor Happy Hour, how fun, and then all of a sudden you've got Rachel Lindsay, who just so happens to be black, and then you've got Becca Kufrin, who's got this fiance who has this this like weird history with white supremacist um cultural things and you know you've got and then they just so happen to be doing this like the happy hour where they talk yeah. to all the bachelor people and it's all goofy and fun and then shit gets really real and yeah. we are at a, dis a really interesting time where like all of a sudden it's like 
you know, we've been able to kind of navigate those um, those relationship differences. Like, oh, there's a little political difference here and there, but like these are so foundational. Yeah. This is no longer like. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's no it's, longer simple. You know, the moral it's, it's the moral high ground. You know, mm-hmm. and you're not. Um, there's so much information and visual kind of like representation of these things out in the world. Like, you can't avoid it but I wonder and how especially within avoid your relationship them. and shame on you if you are avoiding it mm-hmm. you know we talked about I that last time I wonder how many time. people are going to like lose friends I mean I think COVID's doing it too to be completely honest mm-hmm. in what ways um the, anti- the anti-vax community mm-hmm. and the like fake news like they're well I think the fake news folks were never really like they were kind of already in different camps but I think it's the anti-vax which is a very um, I would say, if I had to guess, it's it's a very white bread, women led movement, and I'm not I'm not sharing an opinion on it because I, I have had really um, my fair share of difficulty in the medical system, and I, I tend to kind of go the like natural meats, Western medicine balance. We try to do that balance, um, but the anti-vaxxers, I mean, it's separating it's separating. Yeah. You know, it's separating, you know, people because it's... So, know. here's a question, and, you know, you might need to wrap up soon, but, like, is this... If anybody has anything they want to share, feel free to share. Yeah. Or a question you want to ask. Yeah. I mean, it's been such a hot topic. Yeah, I mean... How, like... You know, I feel like... How do, how do we, as a society, like, how does everybody begin to embrace change? You know, like, how do we transition and change? Because I think we are, it really feels in this moment, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of layers of the onion are peeling back. Um, and... More rapidly than they ever have before. I have an answer. And uh, let me just set up the, the question a little bit more. Um, that, you know, and and I think part of it is that, like, change is really difficult for people. It's even hard on a micro, micro it's level. It's hard for everybody. It's hard for everybody. And when you're talking about big systematic changes that have been constants in people's lives, whether good or bad, no matter the relationship with them that the individual has. When you talk about a lot of different change all at once, whether or not that changes for the better, it's really, really difficult for people. And so I think part of, you know, the work right now is helping our society cope with change. Okay. So, two things. How do we do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're ta- like kind of the biggest changes right now are around COVID and around um, anti-racism and white supremacy. And, you know, on the one hand, you've got like, I'll use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. I didn't, there were health, I had health problems that were so confusing to me and I was trying, trying, trying to figure them out. And it honestly wasn't until I got cancer that I made the most significant changes. 
So, you know, and I hear about this as a therapist and in, in different like groups that I'm in, it's like, it really is that rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And so the issue around the anti-racism and the white supremacist work is that some white people will shelter themselves from hitting rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And we can't all be hitting our rock bottom at the same time, although we're being invited to in many ways right yeah. now. And which is the unique thing. And then you think about how people deal with change. Mm -hmm. And so what we're talking about is like, how prepared are we for grief? And when you said how to, to help people cope with change, we're really talking about grief. So if you think about the five stages of grief, which honestly, I, I don't know why I don't really know the order, but like, isn't it shock? And then it's bargaining. And then you're the one with the master's degree. And I should work. know that. I mean, I should know this. Tamara, Hannah, I'm so sorry that I don't know the five stages of grief. You're like, that's 101. But I think first you go into shock, and then you go into maybe, I don't know, but the, the stages in no particular order are yeah. like shock and denial. Yeah. And bargaining, and then anger. Mm. And then maybe the last is to kind of, it's probably Sadness. sadness. No, yeah. it's probably sadness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you think about everybody's in some stage of that, like they're either in shock, which means they're dissociated and they're doing, we talked to a friend the other day about her breaking her arm like this, like crooked. And she's like, I didn't feel anything. And yeah. it's like, we go into shock, which is a great tool for dealing with change. Right. And those are people who are just like, I don't care. I'm not watching the news. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and they're just, like, so overwhelmed mm -hmm. by it. And then you've got folks in denial, and you've got some that are um, bargaining. Like, okay, if only, like, let me try to do it this way, and I won't have to deal with it. Or, like, let me try yeah. to, like, position myself in it's this It's a great way. example, yeah. Yeah, yeah and going. then you, well, because it is grief. Change is grief. Yeah. I mean, we're losing. We have lost so much for better and for worse, right? Like, yeah. But also, in a lot of ways, for better. Yeah. And then you've got the bargaining, or right, so the bargaining, but then you've got the denial of, like, no, it's not really happening, you know? And then you've mm -hmm. got anger, so you've got people who are just straight up pissed. Right. And so everybody's in this state, or sad, and everybody's in a stage of grief, and we really are not prepared in the Western culture to grieve. Nobody teaches you about grief. Mm. You hide dead bodies in coffins. You don't tell people when the pet dies, oh, it ran away. Like, nobody talks about grief. And death and sadness, mm. and then so nobody's prepared for it, and definitely not on a scale this large. Yeah. So we we That's didn't really wise. we yeah. didn't do the work. We're like everything's okay, everything's okay, everything's okay, mm. and then it's like falling apart. And yeah, so you know, some there's some comments coming in, but I think that I think that we should have done a better job of preparing for grief. I mean, so many other cultures talk about death and grief. Yeah. So what's coming up for me is that binary thinking in itself is a, is a weapon of supremacy and used as a tool to divide us. Meaning binary thinking is, um, you know, it's black and white. It's like it's either this or that. Mm -hmm. We have to look at a full spectrum of action systems and ideas instead of just pitting two extremes against each other, like yeah. black or white, male or female, etc. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many layers. Yeah. I feel that. I mean, I, you know, and this is why, like, these are complex issues that um, are deeply ingrained and require complex solutions, which one of the, you know, one of the... Um, Here, just take it from oh, my left. I, I thought you were trying to show me something. I am. Um, yeah, these are complex issues that, that like, have, like, complex... 
um, solutions. And one of the things where I think, and Zoya, I appreciate the comment, like the binary thinking gets into difficulty or like I struggle with is when you try to have a conversation um, and maybe move somebody along a spectrum of learning and understanding is they're like, well, what do we do about it? You know, what's the solution? And what, they, what they're what they kind of asking for is this like, well, A plus B equals C solution. And it's a great tactic used by um, somebody on opposing side to box you in because oftentimes we don't have answers to all of these issues. We don't have all the answers, but, you know, it's really critical to identify the problem. So there's a couple more comments. So, you know, about Hillary versus Trump, it's like, what does it represent? good versus evil or what do people kind of label them as mm -hmm. and so they're happy you know it's like constantly this i mean even like democrat versus republican it's constantly this dichotomy this um binary yeah we've got another one here um it says simple we are all the same we are all a human race and then another one division makes us weak a team accomplishes a lot any thoughts on that you have some I mean, you know, I, I think in terms of, like, the, the human race comments, like, uh, scientifically speaking, we are all a similar, we are all the same species, and, you know, from, from that, yeah, from that perspective, it's weird that we segregate each other, because, you know, we're basically, we're all the same DNA. I think the issue with that, though, is that that is lacking it is not acknowledging there is no acknowledgement in that statement that the way that certain people in our society are being treated is um it's dismissive that statement is dismissive against um people the 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 black and brown and and people of color in our society who are being systematically oppressed by the kind of systems and structures and powers that be and so like while that may be true, um, that is also not necessarily the conversation that we're having well, right now. Or because that, that the answer isn't as simple. You yeah. know, division right. makes us weak, a team accomplishes a lot and makes us strong. It's true. So we have to all bind together, you know, that we have to all bind together in the same, on the same team, like you were talking about with the environmental movement. It's like to plant a garden in your backyard is as meaningful as putting yourself in front of a pipeline, which is as meaningful as changing policy. We just have to acknowledge where we're starting from. And so we, we can't. We, we can't assume that everybody feels as though they are equal at this point. And, and I, think, I think part of the issue, like part of the difficulty that people have with that is that the way that, the way that let's say, like the policing system, which we started this conversation on, is set up right now, is, is giving people privileges that whether they recognize or they don't recognize, myself as a white male, um, or white people in general receive privileges. So changing that system, there is a perceived threat, not an actual threat, but a perceived threat that some of these privileges that I haven't fully processed, you know, as a white person, maybe not fully processed, would be taken away. You know, same thing with men and the patriarchy. If, if you know, when actually what we're working for is equality, but sometimes equality means that 
you know, the way that the, you, you're having to release certain powers that you have to, there's a let go of power there. And, and that is very difficult because it's easy to say we should all be on the same page when you're in kind of the, the position of power, right? Um, and and it's it's much, you know, yeah, it's just it's just that. Well, and so everybody like, is in agreement that everybody counts. Like, yeah. that's the goal. Like, I, you know, I, I just, I will end with by saying, like, the, 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 you know, this woman that we saw kind of explaining from her, her perspective as a black woman, you know, why she, um, why, why she feels the way she feels about the protests, about the fires, about the burning buildings down, about everything that's going on, about this uprising, this revolution, and she's explaining it like a monopoly game around, um, wealth and acquisition of both wealth and resource and yep. property. And then at the end, she just says, I mean, maybe you'll remember the line better than me, the last line. Well, I mean, she basically says, it doesn't, if the target burns. No, no, no. So the very last line when she says. I don't remember, the, go for she, it. Where she, where she says, and, you know, you know, people should be grateful that right. black folks aren't looking for the, the, or, or the working for equality and not that. looking for revenge. Right. And it's like, you know, that we are all in agreement that equality is the final outcome. Yeah. That we that it is not simple. We are all human and we are all part of humankind. That that is the outcome we are wanting. It's just we got a long way to go. Yeah. And if that's the vision, then it gets back to my thing, my point around standing in solidarity with all the different types of actions that are taken on, that there's no, you know, that they're all very valid, and that by supporting each other and standing in solidarity, we actually encourage people to take a next step of action. Yeah, um, I definitely want to so. continue to encourage people to take a next step of action. Yeah. The reason of the human race is to help in this not having... This is another having, comment. Yeah, the reason of the human race is to help in not having prejudice. Mm -hmm. To kind of, yeah, get rid of all of that. And then we have to examine trauma from the beginning. And I completely agree. It's crazy. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for participating. What a blessing to be a part of this conversation with you all. And, um, yeah, keep the conversation going. That is the name of our tour this year. Even That's though right. we are touring from home. <laughs> That's right. All right. All right. Thanks for the all. conversation, babe. Love you. Bye. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.